is Josh, and I'm going to get turned on here in a second. I thought I wasn't on. I see the screen. We're good to go. Um, what about now? There we go. Uh, oh, goodness. Um, so uh, my name is Josh. I work on staff at Campus Outreach at Point Loma. Um, and so I have the privilege of getting to introduce you guys to Travis. I met Travis when he was a freshman. The very first day he was walking around the track with his dad, and me and Tyler walked up to him and said, hey, you know, this is who we are. Um, how you like at Point Loma? Where are you from? Whatever. And he looked at us like, I want nothing to do with you ever. I hope I never see you again. And here he is. So um, you're welcome. Uh, no, but I, I've had the opportunity and the privilege of getting to share in my life with Travis um, and see God do some amazing things. So he's going to share his story of how God has been working in him and how he can boast in God himself. So, uh, Like you said, my name is Travis. Um, grew up in a small town in East Texas, but now I'm a student athlete at Point Loma Nazarene University. It's not always been a smooth ride, but I would not have it any other way. From kindergarten to fifth grade, I went to a small private school where we learned about God, but I didn't really understand much. Then I moved to public middle school. I was smaller than most of the time in uh, sixth grade, and I got bullied quite a bit. I began to live in fear and pleasing others at all costs. In seventh grade, I began playing sports, lifting weights, and growing. I began to boast of my athletic ability. By the time my freshman year in high school was over, I was the first team shortstop on varsity, and I began to boast of my abilities on the baseball field. My sophomore year, I began getting Division I offers. I thought that if I just played Division One baseball, all my worries would go away and everything would be taken care of. Uh, right, uh, well, my junior year, I choked. I had the worst of my four seasons right in the middle of the recruiting process. I was also in the middle of a toxic relationship that had been going on for over a year. And right about that time, all my offers were dropped. Uh, everything I'd put my hope in was, uh, was just falling apart. By the end of the year, I was done. I had a feeling of hopelessness. Everything I'd put my hope in was falling apart. It was difficult, but I had to start over. That is where God met me. I wasn't aware of it, but I can clearly see now God was guiding my steps. Going into my senior year, I had this strange peace, even though I had nowhere to play and no plan. I ended up becoming friends with a girl who began taking me to church for the first time consistently. There I met the youth pastor who began pouring his life into me. God really used him to show me what Christ-like love looks like. Eventually, I got the offer I have now to play at PLNU, which is a story in and of itself. When I arrived, I was still boasting of my abilities on the field and believed they would bring me fulfillment and satisfaction. I began partying to fit in and to get away from the pressure I was putting on myself. In October of my freshman year, I broke my hand. This required surgery and ended my season before it began. I began asking questions about God and life. I began seeking something that wouldn't let me down like the things of this world had. I did this through campus outreach. At first, I began by attempting to earn God's grace. I thought that if I could just be good enough, I would be right with God. I was wrong. This did not work out well, and my heart was not changed. Then on a Tuesday night at Bible study, we were reading through Romans 5, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We don't have to clean ourselves up. We can't clean ourselves up, but God does that through Christ. This was the first time God revealed this part of himself to me. He showed me a piece of his character I had never seen before. His presence stuck with me through the summer. It did not change me right away, but God began moving in my heart. That summer, June 28, 2016, I surrendered. I was, a dirt, I was in a dirty old Motel 6, somewhere in Dallas on my knees, telling Jesus I could not do this thing called life on my own. The fall of my sophomore year, I began taking small steps of faith and began to learn about and live in light of his promises. That winter break, I went to New Year's conference where I met a girl who really challenged me and what my identity was in. That, the entire spring and summer, I dove into who God says I am. God says in Christ, we are holy and blameless. We are warriors fighting for victory. 
Uh, we are warriors who, instead of fighting for victory, fight from the victory Christ has achieved for us on the cross and in his resurrection. We have also been renamed by our Father. Just as Abram became Abraham, our identity is now his beloved sons and daughters, written in the book of life, because of our faith in the Son of God. We are able to be in right relationship with our Heavenly Father because of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and there is nothing capable of tearing us away from that. I have learned to find my satisfaction in what Christ has done on the cross. I have learned dependency on Jesus Christ is the only logical way to live in this fallen world where tragedy seems to be normal, and I have learned God's heart is not to conform us but to unify his people by restoring them to the beautifully unique creation he has made us each to be. Now by God's grace through faith, I am here able to boast in the great things God has done in my life and will continue to do in San Diego and throughout the world. Thanks, Travis. Um, as Travis is walking down, I'm just going to pray one more time. Jesus, praise you. Uh, thank you for what you've done in and through Travis um, and how you have changed his life. Um, Jesus, I pray uh, for this time now as we go and we dive further into your word. Um, I pray that it would be transforming to us. I pray. So, Jesus, I pray um, that you would speak with me, speak through me. Um, have my words to be clear and so that your name would be made much of <clears throat> in your name, Jesus. Amen. So <clears throat> a few weeks ago, uh, I got invited uh, to go to a Navy SEAL graduation. A friend of mine was graduating over here uh, in Coronado. And when I got the invite, I was, I was pretty shocked because, uh, I mean, we're friends, but we're not like, like, I didn't, think, I didn't think I was going to make the cut. You know what I'm saying? Like there's family and then there's really close friends and then there's friends. And I'm like, I don't think I was in the really close friends category um, because I just felt like it was probably like a pretty prestigious, significant, like selective event. And I went and it was, it was, it was humbling. It was amazing. I, um, it, was a, it was just a pleasure to be there. I have so much respect for what those guys do and who they are. Um, and so going into that, there were notes about like how many miles they ran or how many they swam or um, some stories of like what they had to go through with Hell Week or the, the three different phases of, of, of the training. Um, just some crazy stuff. I even saw like, they, like when they pin the trident on you, some of the guys actually take it with the, with the pins out and they like smash it into your chest. Like, that's, like, part of, like, the ritual of, like, becoming a seal is, like, you just get it. Like, they smash it into you, and it's, like, makes you seem like you're hard or whatever. Um, but I have, a, like I said, I have an incredible amount of respect for these guys and what they go through and what they do for us and for our country. Like, I, I really do believe that these are some of the most elite warriors on the planet, if not the most elite warriors on the planet. Um, and it's, they, they prove themselves time and time again. And so they give you this little booklet when you come in, so... I'm not making any of this up. And we're going to pull it up. I don't know if you're able to see it, but I'm going to read you just a few of the um, statistics. Class 321 started the first phase with 179 students. 42 completed Hell Week. That's like 80, 80, 75, 80%, something like that. That's nuts. Um, each student completed a minimum of 36, or excuse me, 63 cumulative weeks of high-risk training. So let's just keep that word high-risk the forefront of your mind. Um, each student ran 1,700 miles, um, swam 128 miles. Uh, they expended over uh, 1 million rounds of small arms ammunition, detonated 13,000 pounds 
of, small, of, uh, of high explosives. So when, I, when it says high risk training, when you're blowing stuff up, that's pretty high risk to me and pretty awesome. And then the last thing, I love this, this one. Class 321 has done the equivalent of swimming from Cuba to the southern tip of Florida and then running to New York City. Like, if that doesn't make you someone who's the most elite, I don't know what does. I don't have that in me. That's not who I am. I don't think I could run three miles. My wife wants to run a 5K, and I'm like, let's not do that. I want to run a mile and call it quits. And so <clears throat> that gives you a little a, a taste of, the, of what these guys have to go through, and there's so much more. And so as I prepared for this sermon, this story got me thinking, and I thought, there's no way that anyone would ever let me trade places with him. Where I'm standing right now and where he is right now, somewhere in the Middle East, he just got deployed, he's over there somewhere, I don't even know where, doing I don't know what, right? No one's going to let me take his place. Why? Because I have no skill, I have no training, and so much of what they do in that process of training you to be a SEAL is making, is it about team and teamwork. It's creating unity, it's creating brotherhood that you would work in a team for each other's like success. And so I would be a liability to that. Let's just put it the way it is. I'm a liability. <coughs> so I could never be exchanged for him, but he has exchanged his civility in many ways for my and our freedom, right? So we get to, I get to stand up here. We get, if you have some friends, you get to boast or brag in that person or what that person has done for you. And I get to say, like, that's my boy. He's my hero. He's a friend. He's a protector, right? That's what he is for me is what he is for us. So this is exactly what I think Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 5, verse 11, um, when he's telling us to rejoice. So we're going to talk about how we can rejoice or boast. The NIV says boasting in God and how we do so based off of nothing that we do. Like we don't do anything. So we first have to understand why we can't boast. It's not just like, okay, cool, I'm just going to go, like, good, get out of here, you can go boast in God. It's like, no, you have to understand your position or your state. And we have to understand that we have nothing to offer God. We can't be like, oh, God, look what I've done. I'm really trying hard. Like, we don't have that. We can't do that. We can't boast in anything that we've done. And so we're going to read uh, Romans 5, 6 through 11. Uh, I, feel like, I think it's been read for the past few weeks, but we're going to read it again for some context. And then we're going to kind of spend our time on 10 and 11 today. <clears throat> so read with me if you have your Bible. <clears throat> For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have, been, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who through, whom, through whom we now have reconciliation. So this brings us to our first point. Um, and this is what I was sharing before. Is like, verse 10 says that we are enemies. Like we are enemies of God. And so that means before God, we have nothing. No good stuff that we have to offer gives us passage to God. We can't, get our, we can't earn our way there. 
Um, so before we can see any of the good stuff that allows us the opportunity or the ability to boast, we have to, stand, we have to understand where we are our, or our state before we boast. And so in our state before we boast, we got nothing. We got nothing to offer, no platform to stand on. And this is what, this is what Paul says. It's what, the reason I read 6 through 11 is because in verse 6 he says that we are weak. In verse 8 he says that we are sinners. And then verse 10 says we are enemies. And then even verse 6, he also, also says you were, he died for the ungodly. He also calls us ungodly. Like this is who we are. Before God, before we can do anything, we have this position that we have offended God. We are like against him. We are the enemy. We are the one that like my boy is going to fight. We're not even like in the same like, oh, like we're cool. No, we're actually against him. And so my hope is that all of us this morning, myself included, whether you've been a Christian for 30 years or whether or not, or if you don't, excuse me, if you're not a Christian at all, my hope is that you would look at your life. Because the reality is when it comes to Jesus, you can know all about him. I, I mean, I can read some stats to you right here from what the Navy SEALs do. I know about them, but you can know all about Jesus. But if you never see your sin or yourself, that yourself, like you are sinful, it doesn't matter how good you are. You can't stand before God. And I tell you this to be like for the, for the reason that like even as Christians, the reason I say I want us all to examine is that we are deceived by sin, even ourselves. Sin deceives all people everywhere, and so we have to look at our own lives and examine ourselves. Because when we begin to like look at ourselves and go, well, we're not that bad, even as Christians or non-Christians, what we're doing is we're def- like relying on ourselves. And that's sinful. Like we're trusting in ourselves. That's 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 also sin. So just like me with my friend the seal, I got nothing. And in, like in, like I said, in fact, it's like we've we've done the opposite. We've actually offended God. This is the bad news. And if you're like me, like I like to hear the bad news first before I hear the good news. Um, and so this is where we are. So what happened for us to be able to like boast in God or to be in that place, be in that position? So let's look at verses ten and eleven again. And dive in a little deeper here. So he says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, in that we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So what is this, what is this, these two verses saying? What are these two verses saying? Well, if you look at the Greek, which is what this was originally written in, uh, the word reconciled and reconciliation. It's the same word, but it's in noun and verb form. And so it's similar meanings, but they're a little bit different. So reconciliation means to change or exchange. Reconciliation means to change or exchange. And so the verb form is change. The noun form is exchange. <clears throat> so as think about that as we move forward. This helps make our, my second point of like why we boast. And again, like, like I said with the bad news, good news. If you're like me, I'm not a supposed to guy. You can't tell me, well, you need to do this because you're supposed to. You need to follow God because you're supposed to. I'm like, no, I, I want to know why. Help me understand the whys, and then I'm like, okay, that frees me up to really like trust something, to really follow, to do whatever it is like you're asking me to do. And so we have to understand why we boast. So we boast because we have been exchanged to God by the death of Jesus. The death of Jesus allows us to be exchanged to God. We are exchanged because of nothing that we do ourselves. This is the good news. This is what this is like the good news I'm talking about. And Jesus has changed everything. Like he transforms and changes everything. And he's not looking for us to be good enough. 
He's not looking up for us to fix ourselves. He's looking for people to follow and to trust him. That's what he wants. He doesn't want you to be better or be good enough. I mean, think about the story of my friend. He's done all the training, right? No one would ever let me be a SEAL because I don't have what it takes. And they're not going to let me do it because I just know about them or because I know good things. Or like I, want, I try really hard. I want to be like them. Like I don't have what it takes. Like No one's going to let that happen. But because of his hard work, because of his sacrifice, along the sacrifice of many others before him, I get freedom. We get freedom, right? Because of his sacrifice. And so, like, because of he, he exchanging his civility and his safety for my freedom, what does that make me do? It makes me want to boast. It makes me want to brag on my boy. I'm up here telling y'all about what he did and where he's at and how he's, like, how awesome he is, right? Like, I'm up here bragging because of what he's done. He's exchanged himself so that I could have these things and I could, I could, I could boast. And so, Jesus gave up everything in the same way to help us. And we see this on, and so let me, let me say this, Jesus has done this on a cosmic and eternal scale. Like he's like, my friend, the Navy SEAL has done this for us. Like here, Jesus has done it on an eternal scale. And we see this in Philippians chapter two, verses six through eight. It's in Paul's talking, he says, who Jesus being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus came down, right, and he takes our place. Like he literally comes in to be a servant, to step into our shoes to do what we couldn't do. Jesus steps into our shoes and does what we can't. That's what he, and that's, that's amazing. So, this is the picture is that he exchanges his perfection for our sin. He exchanges his life for our death. He literally takes our place. And if we trust in him, we are exchanged. And we get to be exchanged for the things that I mentioned earlier. The bad news, remember the bad news? The weakness, the sinners, the enemies, that's who we are. Well, if we trust in him, what happens is we actually are exchanged for salvation. Our weakness is exchanged for salvation. Our sin is exchanged for righteousness. We are given righteousness. Instead of being called an enemy of God, we're called a friend. We're invited into relationship with him. This is why we boast. But if that wasn't enough, Paul continues. There's more. There's more to it than this. And I'm really glad it isn't in there because there's so much more. He says that in verse 10, much more, much more, now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. This means that if you look to Jesus for forgiveness and freedom, from sin, he will continue to change you. Remember when I talked about the verb and noun form of reconciliation? Well, this verb, this, you know, now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. This is the verb form where he says change. Like he will change you. He promises that he will be with you to help you and you like, he will continue to change you to make you better, make you more like himself. Um, I think Judge Bill spoke last week on this and like this is the process of sanctification. Like he will change you and make you like himself. And so, and again, if that's not enough, I love verse 11. This is like the culmination of it all. Um, the, re, the last reason we boast, and if we see all these things clearly, if we see that we're sinful, that we're against God, that we're enemies, that we've offended him, if we are humble ourselves to see that, and then we see what he's done by giving us this new life, right? This salvation and righteousness and relationship. If we can see that clearly, you want to boast. 
That's that's as simple as it gets. It's like you can have all these things, like reasons why, but at the end of the day, you just want to. Like verse 11 says, more than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have received the exchange. So more than all of these things that God has already done for you, that he's willing to give you, he's like, we just boast because because of what he's done, because of who he is. We boast because we want to. Um, so then if you're like me you hear these things these two opposing sides that this is who we are this is who Jesus is this is what Jesus has done he's willing to exchange and it's like alright Josh I think I'm tracking with you I hope you're tracking with me um, you're like alright Josh I get you so then how how do I boast how do I what does it look like for me to boast in God <clears throat> this is our third point and I, I would say first if you don't have a relationship with Jesus or you've never fully given your life to him, or maybe you've been far off from God, come back. Give your life to him today. Do it today. If you give your life to Jesus, you're saying that you don't have what it takes, but he does. And by doing this, you're boasting in him and boasting in what he has done for you. And you're not like, like resting in what you have to offer God, but you're receiving what he has offered you. So if you don't know how to do that, uh, come talk to me. Uh, come talk to the people on our prayer team at the end here. Um, talk, talk to you know, Stephen or Mike or whoever, one of the pastors, someone who brought you. We'd love to sit down and help you do that. Um, and then I think for Christians, I think it's pretty simple. Um, I think it's the first thing is like, well, I think we talk to God. We tell God. How do we boast in God? Well, we tell him. Like it's this vertical relationship. Um, I think, go to the next slide. Um, it's this vertical relationship that we have with God. Like, we want to boast, we worship, and that can be done up here. It can be done by praying, whatever, reading your Bible. Like, boast with God up. Give, send praises back to him. If you don't know how to do that, look at the Psalms. Just open your Bible up to the middle. It's right there. Um, and just read some of those things. All of the Psalms are just about boasting or bragging on God. They're sending praises back to God. Just read through some of those and pray them for yourself. That's what I would say. That's the first. That's the up. That's the vertical. Um, the second is, you know, with your Christian friends. Like, tell your Christian friends. Boast about God or amongst around the people around you. Like, this is discipleship. This is like the inward, like, you're helping others grow that are around you. They're doing the same thing as you. You're helping them grow. You're boasting in God what he's done or you're receiving. Like, someone else is boasting in what God's done in them and it's helping you grow. Um, and I, I think about this as like, this is, the, this is the easy part, I think. This, and even like with non-Christian friends, like evangelism going out, like we're, I think most of us, a lot of times we get timid thinking about, I don't know how to talk to people about Jesus. But think about it. I'm so quick to brag on my boy because of what he's done as a seal. Like, I didn't do anything, but you see me up here, like I'm bragging on him, I'm excited about what he's done. So think about that. Like, what is that thing for you? And it could be like your favorite food place, Rubicon Deli. It's a really delicious place, over in Little Italy, go get, go get some. It's like, it's easy. I'm like, boom, I'm real quick to tell you. What is it for you? Like a favorite hobby. Um, is it tennis, gardening, woodworking, um, whatever? It could be anything. Like, what is that thing for you that you get excited about that you don't care who knows that you love that? That's the way it should be, and that's the way it is when it comes to talking about God. And so we just brag on Jesus. But oftentimes we're just afraid. We're afraid of what people are going to think. We're afraid of like they're going to look at us kind of like we're crazy. Are we just going to muddle our words? Like we're just afraid. And we're afraid of offending people. But 
you're never afraid of telling someone about, you know, that favorite food place or whatever that thing is. And this is what I love. This is if you are excited and you are really like resting in who God has made you to be and you're really boasting in God because you've received all these things that we talked about, this is what happens. You become joyous. And Stephen talks about this all the time. But necessity feels pushy. If you feel like you have to do this, it's pushy. But joy is contagious. Joy is contagious. And so the reason I know that it's contagious is because the earlier service, a buddy of mine who's on the soccer team at Point Loma, he's from Canada. Canada, actually I have some of this in my car. He brought it down. They have this thing called Tim Hortons. Has anyone ever heard of Tim Hortons? Tim Hortons is a coffee shop. It's like Starbucks in Canada. It's everywhere on every corner. You know what? Tim Hortons is so good, and they have the number one marketing campaign in all of North America. How many of you guys knew that? I didn't know that before like three weeks ago, but when you start talking about Tim Hortons around Corey Olson, he loses his mind. Like, he gets so excited, so much so that I gotta, I'm like, we got to go be a part of this. They give away like 40 cars across the country. It's amazing. You just roll up the rim, and there's like free stuff. Like, he's like, bro, you got to come. And so because of his joy and his excitement, me and my wife, along with some Point Loma students, we're trying to get some guys to go up for spring break, make a little trip out of it, go enjoy some Tim Hortons. That's what we're going to do. It's contagious. Like when you share the things that you love, it is contagious. Other people want to join you in that. But when you, when you share out of like this need or like, oh, I'm supposed to do this, or I don't really know what to say or whatever, it feels pushy. I never felt pushed by Corey. I felt pulled. I, wanted, I, wanted, I want to go. And that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like when we're talking about that up, like that, that inward and that outward like joy and boasting in God. And so those are, the, those are the real practical steps to really like walking with God and boasting in him and who he is. But I also want you to know something that you're doing it right now. You're doing it by giving up your time, giving up your energy to be here this morning to worship. And all of this is worship. Like the, the, the singing, the praying, like me being up here listening to the word. This is all worship. You are bragging and boasting in God. And you can do that even this week also by getting some time in your Bible. Maybe you haven't done that in a while. Get some time in your Bible or um, pray, you know, spend some time in prayer. Or if you're not a Christian, get, get lunch with somebody and say, hey, I got a couple questions about God. Help me understand these things. Or if you, I mean, if you are, invite some people to go to lunch with you and just talk about what you're learning or what you're, like, in the same way, again, that you would talk about your favorite hobby or whatever. So, and all of this, no matter where you are or where you like, if you are willing, this is the thing is I think is so key, is like, if you're willing to trust Jesus and boast in him, this is what he does. He says he will carry you forever. That reconciliation, the change, like, he is going to be with you, and he's going to help make you more like him. He will change you as you grow. Um, so Ben is actually going to come back up, and the, 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 the team, and he's going to sing Psalm 28. In Psalm 28, he says that he will carry his people forever. God says that he will carry his people forever. So if you trust in Jesus that he has exchanged himself for you and he will continue to change you, like rest in that, trust in that, and your life will look different. Like you will have joy, you will be able to boast, and it will be easy. Not, not easy, it's, life will be hard, but it's like it makes it so much easier when you really enjoy the thing that you're talking about, when you're boasting in God for who he is. So as we pray, and think about that as you sing these words back to God, Um, Believe that for yourself, that he will carry you forever. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you. 
Jesus, I'm thankful that uh, I get to stand up here and, and boast in who you are and what you've done, that you have exchanged yourself for me, that I get life because of your death. Uh, that doesn't make sense, um, but it's a sweet, sweet gift. And so, Jesus, I pray that um, all of us here today would, again, examine our hearts, examine where we are, and that they, we, would, we would look to you to carry us forever. So as Ben and the worship team play this song, Father, I pray that I pray that we would reflect on our own lives and reflect on where we are and surrender and trust you. Um, so we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.